you would, open in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3. Paul says that if there is no resurrection, if Christ did not raise from the dead, we have no hope and we are, of all people, most to be pitied. But thank God that Christ did rise from the dead and has given us hope. And this passage deals with the outworking of that hope in our lives. Colossians 3, we'll begin reading in verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive and above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God, to God the Father through Him. Pray with me. Lord, we do give You thanks. We give You praise. We've come to celebrate the redemption that we have found in Jesus. We've come to lift His name up high. Spirit, You are welcome in this place. Come move in our midst. Stir our hearts a deeper passion for Jesus. And now I pray that my words would blow to the ground and blow away and not be remembered anymore. But Lord, may your words remain. And may they change us. We pray this in the strong name of Christ. Amen. When you live in a house with four girls, um, there is a lot of chatter, a lot of talking that goes on. You know, it's the exact opposite. Men can kind of look at each other. Nod, that's all it takes. I've communicated a thousand things. And that one little nod, nod back, there's, there's, this, there's this bond there that, that women can't understand and women have to use a lot of words. Um, 
And so there's this need to talk. And, and even though I, I can spend hours reading stories, talking, playing little people, and, and all this with my girls, I, I can do that. If I steal away a little bit of time and I, I go off to the front porch maybe and get, get a book out, and just, just a little time to myself, inevitably one of the girls will come hop in my lap and look at me and go, Daddy, what shall we talk about? What shall we talk about? I'm like, we, we've already, I've used up every word I have, okay? I, I'm done talking. And, and they will talk and talk, and I find myself at times saying, oh, okay, can you, can you just get to the point? Can you just t- tell me what you have to say? You know, just, just get to it. Um, reading Paul's letters can sometimes feel like that. You know, he just kind of goes off and he goes on and on and on. You're like, okay, Paul, all right, okay. Can, can you get to the point? Can, can you get to the point? Can, can you finally get to the application? Can you finally tell us what it is we are supposed to do? You know, we all crave application, so get to it, Paul. And some of you might have been telling Paul to get to the point. As we've gone through the first two chapters of Colossians, there is hardly a command there. There's... Some vague ones, you know, hey, walk in Christ, or don't let people judge you. Those are the only two real commands. Finally, in chapter 3, we, we get the application. We finally get what we think is what Paul was leading up to all along, what we're supposed to do. He's finally saying what we think he's supposed to say. And if you think that way, you, you kind of misunderstand Paul. He does this in every letter. Every letter. He he. he takes the first chapter, first two chapters, and he just wants to lift up Jesus. He wants to lift up Christ high. He wants to show you his beauty, show you his glory, make sure you understand the gospel, make, make sure that you understand his lordship and his reign over everything. And he pounds that in, he hammers that in before he ever gets to an application. For him, the point is the lordship of Jesus. The point is the gospel. And if you understand these things, the natural overflow it's going to be, oh yeah, now do these. Do these. And so Paul wants to make certain that we understand the order of these things because otherwise we're going to try to earn God's love. We're going to try to get our act together. We're going to try to do things. We're going to try to not slander. We're going to try to flee from sexual immorality. We're going to try to do all these things and clean up ourselves and make ourselves somehow presentable to God. Paul says you can't do that. You have to understand Christ, supreme, Glorious, Christ saves you apart from any work. And once you understand that, then you begin to be freed up to obey him. Paul begins this section with the phrase, if you have been raised with Christ. If you've been raised. So so before I tell you to do anything, the most essential element is has Christ Change your heart. Because you're not doing things in order to have your heart changed. Christ has to change your heart, and then you'll do these things. Never reverse the order. Paul uses our conversion, um, describes our conversion using Easter, East, Easter terminology. Um, to be converted is to be raised with Christ. To be converted is to be so identified with Christ by faith, so identified with him that when he was raised, in a very real way, we were raised too. We were spiritually lifted up, changed, converted. 
We are so connected to Christ that earlier in Colossians we saw that when he died, we died. Colossians 2.12 says that having been buried with him. 2.20 says, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world. So we are so identified with Christ that when he died, our old self died. And when he rose again, we rose with him. And someday we will know that resurrection in full. And so we've been given a new life. We are now with Christ. So that, that phrase, with Christ, or it's some of your translations might say, in Christ. So it's the same preposition there, in Christ or with Christ. Paul uses that term 132 times in his letters. For Paul, if, if he were to sum up Christianity, he would say it's this. It is in Christ. That's what it means. We're in Christ. We're in Christ when he died. We're in Christ when he rose again. We are to be found in him. It's the focus. It's the theme of his letters. It's the essence of all Christianity is to be found in him. Paul then gives us two commands here which set up the rest of the application. Two commands. He says that we are to seek the things that are above. We're to seek the things that are above and we're to set our minds on things that are above. So we're to seek the things that are above and we're to set our minds on things above. Some of your translations might say to set your heart on things above because literally it's to set your heart on things that are above and it's to set your mind on things above. So Paul is saying set your heart, your affections, and set your thoughts. Set both of those things on what is above, not on what here is here on the earth. And, and he repeats this. I mean, to seek these things, to set these things. He, he's saying that this is something that we need to be diligent. We need to, to focus on. We, we don't need to do this half-heartedly. We need to pursue this with everything. It's not just a Sunday activity. It's not just a, a hobby. We reorient our entire lives to seek with our affections and to seek with our minds what is above. Now, you've heard the phrase, you know, to be heavenly minded. Now, outside of a Christian church context, I have never heard that phrase used positively. Have you? You've typically heard, you know, the phrase, that person is so heavenly minded they are of no earthly good. So heavenly minded of no earthly good. Um, and actually, it's, it's the opposite that Paul would say. He says, no, 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 no. To be heavenly minded is to be of earthly good. You know, outside these walls, people will say this. They'll say, you know, that person has got their feet firmly planted on the ground. That means a good thing. That person is grounded. And when you say a person is grounded or they have both feet on the ground, you're saying that they're responsible. They've, you know, they, they know what's going on. They're moral, upright people. Paul says, uh-uh. We've got to set our hearts and we got to set our minds on what's above and it's only then will you be of any earthly good only then will you be able to put aside sexual immorality evil desires will you be kind will you be humble will you be patient will you be forgiving will you truly be able to love people not if your feet are on the ground but if your mind and your heart are pursuing what's above now why isn't it the case 
that those the, the world looks at and sees as heavenly minded. Why is it that those heavenly minded people are not earthly good? Um, I think when we think of being heavenly minded or setting our mind on things above, things above, we're thinking of the wrong things actually. Um, Paul is not saying this. I want you to think about heaven. I want every one of you to picture streets of gold now. Focus it. Set your heart on those streets of gold. Set your heart on that glassy sea. Set your heart on when there will be no more tears or pain. I want you to think about those things. Focus on those things. He's not at all saying that. Because if... If, if you believe that, if that's your focus, you're in, you're in a scene, you know, I'll fly away. And you just want to get away from this world. Not help redeem it. That's not what Paul is saying to think about. Look at verse 1 again. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. That's what Paul's been leading up to for two chapters. When, when, when I say you're to think of things above, what I'm saying is I want you to think of Christ. I want you to think of His Lordship. I want you to think of how He has ascended and He is now seated with all power and all glory and He is currently reigning over all. That's what I want you to set your minds Towards. That's what I want you to set your affections towards. Not just heaven in general. Think of Christ. Him exalted. Him supreme. Him reigning. Don't set your affections on streets of gold. Fix your eyes on Him. You know, if you, if you fix your affections and your mind on any other thing, you're just going to get bored. You'll just be bored. Um, if, if you have kids, you realize that kids can watch things over and over and over. and over. They never seem to get bored. They can listen to things over and over. Um, I don't know who it was. Um, I've, I'm trying to forgive you of this. But somebody gave us, when Caroline was one years old, Shout to the Lord Kids, I think, Volume 2 CD. And it has been in our car CD player now for seven years. Seven years. It's like you turn on and it's still, you know, how many times can you sing, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, over and over for seven years. It's been our theme song. And, and, and our kids don't get tired of it. They, they, they always want to hear it, you know. Hopefully, a day will come, and a day will come soon, when they're like, I'm bored of that. You know, because when you grow up, you can't take the same things over and over and over. If you're a grown-up, you can't set your, all of your focus, all of your mind, and all of your heart on sports or on your job or, or on something like that because you'll just get bored. You can't even set your affections or your focus on things of heaven. You know, if I just said, think of those pearly gates, and you just thought of them, well, after a while, you're just going to get bored. Yes, they're in heaven, but they're also just gates. But if you think of Jesus and he said all of your mind and you said all of your focus on him, you will never get bored because you can never exhaust him. He is always revealing new facets of his glory. 
He is always showing new ways of his love. He, he, he is this fountain, always dripping new glories and new grace and new beauties, and you will never exhaust that. That's why when you go to heaven, you won't be bored. It's not just going to be sitting on a cloud playing a harp. No, you're going to be responding new and fresh in worship as Christ continually reveals himself to you. And that can never be exhausted. Everything else, when you look at Christ, is boring. Money, boring. Job, boring. Christ has enthralled me. So how, how do we do this? How do, how do we seek him? First, you have to be converted. I want to just jump over that. You have to actually have been raised with Christ. That's why Paul says, if you've been raised with Christ, you need to have your heart reborn. Not, not just, you know, some of you might be in church your whole life, but you're still thinking, I've got to do something. It's not what you do, it's what Christ has done. And through what he has done, he changes and he transforms our hearts and we have been raised with him. And you cannot seek God unless this has happened. I know we use words in, uh, in church. We call some people seekers. You know, somebody who has showed some spiritual interest, we might call them a seeker. But in the Bible, there are no seekers. Nowhere. Paul actually says no one seeks after God. Um, our very first parents, Adam and Eve, they didn't seek God. They hid from God. And we come from a long line of people who have hid from him, not sought him out. And it's not until Christ changes our hearts, changes it to where we're born again that we actually can seek him. And now after our hearts are changed, we don't hide from God. Paul says that we are now hid in Christ. We don't hide from Christ. We are now hid in Christ. Look at that verse 3. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. We now find our refuge there, our closeness there, our safety there. And then once we are converted, the way we seek Christ, there's nothing novel here. We seek Him through His Word. We seek Him through prayer. We seek Him through Christian fellowship. Singing to one another. Look at verse 16. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts. That's how we seek him, as we remind ourselves we, of Christ. We try to stir up our affections by doing those things. And, and I realize it's hard. You know, I have, not only do I, I have a number of kids, but I have a really old house. And if I want to get up early, and read my Bible. It is extremely hard in a hundred-year-old house because every step, you're like, you know, just kind of creeps. No matter how early I get up, it's five o'clock, and I know which steps to try to avoid. I have to avoid the fourth step after the landing because if I actually touch that step, it will wake up the entire house. And so it takes me about two minutes sometimes to go down the steps as quietly as I can it's just, it's just something with children. You can call, you know, Natalie. I can say her name a hundred times. Natalie, Natalie, Natalie. And she'll never hear me. But if I try to walk down the steps at five in the morning and there's one little creep, Daddy. I mean, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. 
It's so hard to steal those moments away. To spend time in the Word and seek. It's hard and it's something we have to do. To be shaped by His Word. To let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly. We have to spend time gathering together, reminding ourselves of Christ and how He reigns on high. We have to fix our eyes on Him. And and when we see that so clearly, that begins manifesting itself in how we live our day to day. And one of the ways that we're going to remind ourselves tonight is through testimony. I'm going to end short so we can hear from others and let them testify about how the Lord has changed their lives, how the Lord has redeemed them. And another way we are going to remember and help focus is by partaking of the Lord's Supper, in which we remember the death and the resurrection of Christ our Lord. Um, Pray with me. Lord, we do acknowledge that you are Lord of Lords, King of Kings. You currently are in heaven and you are reigning. You are not some disembodied spirit up there, but we believe you have bodily risen. You are raised from the dead. And we come humbly now, we acknowledge your Lordship. And I pray that this week we would do whatever it takes to focus our hearts and our minds on that reality. And I pray now as we hear testimony, Lord, that you would stir us up in our affections and our thoughts towards you. And we pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.